0: We are back for another episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Ford. As always, I'm joined by my guy Daniel Galvan here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, last week we had the PFL World Championships. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, we'll talk about uh, what could a potential Bellator versus PFL fight card look like? Some matchups there. Also, give you some uh, quick hits. Uh, Mike Hogan's interview on the MMA Hour. Give you my thoughts on that. Also, we'll talk about uh, UFC Austin coming up this weekend. Also, looks like the UFC wants to do Michael Pagers Kevin Holland. So, Daniel, always uh, great to be talking to you. We're here on a a Wednesday evening right before uh, me and you got uh, here in the studio. Of course, you're home there uh, in in the Rio Grande. I went out and got some pizza. You know, it it was one of those, you know, I'm sure you've had this. Like, you've you've gone, you go to an area and you walk by a restaurant countless times, but you never go in there. Finally went into that spot tonight and uh, had some good pizza, man. Hell yeah, man! What was on your pizza? Oh, I did like the work, so it was like pepperoni, sausage, olives. It, it was like the, it was like like basically a supreme pizza, essentially.
1: Is it a local joint?
0: yeah' so it' was called uh Oak and stone um so they were they're uh yeah it's a uh, craft beer and pizzas, but since we were doing the show, I did not partake in, in, in the beers. you know it, it's one of those things like i'm I don't know if, if you're like me, but like if I'm just out by myself, I don't want to get a table. i just go up to the bar and sit there and I'm, I'm sitting there just drinking water and I was like its like, yeah I got got to do a show after this so uh'm not, not enjoying uh, some uh some fine quality adult beverages
1: well. I'm proud of you, you know, but hey, this weekend, I'm sure you'll enjoy plenty of cold beverages as Florida State attempts to win the ACC championship and also you got a little action going on in Austin. So there'll be plenty of time to enjoy some daddy sodas this weekend, Jason. It is a big sports weekend. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, this is. I'm I'm actually home this weekend. We're in this stretch where I think it's like we've been on, we have six road games in the past eight weeks. Uh, So we're home this week. Then we got two more road games right after this. So uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, Saturday night, kind of. Ugly uh, Christmas sweater party, which I I still need to buy one. I was on Amazon earlier today trying to find something. Really didn't find anything I like, but also there was some I, I liked. But I know there's going to be kids there, and uh, I thought the some of these ugly Christmas sweaters may not be very kid uh, friendly. So uh, you yeah, know, trying to you know find find the one the the one that I did I I saw, but it was just going to cost way too much money. Was uh it was a a cartoon of Chris Ro- of uh, Will Smith uh, slapping Chris Rock and Say keep saying it out of your mother effing mouth.
1: <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. I'm sure Will Smith and Chris Rock are getting zero cents out of that amazing design.
0: Oh sure. <laughs> but that is,
1: is topical and I absolutely love it. Maybe we can get one that's of uh, you know, a fight scene between Armin Sarukians camp and Bobby Green. You know, that could be next on the docket for ugly sweaters.
0: Yeah, for people who have not seen, apparently uh, there's a little altercation between one of Armaserokian's team members and Bobby Green. Bobby Green's management company puts out a statement a little little while ago saying that he was provoked and he had to defend himself. Uh, Bobby Green's got some Instagram videos out there as well. So I'm sure there's probably video footage, which you know what that means, though. What's that mean? So if both these guys win on Saturday night... Is that oh, ma- no. Are they magically headlining a UFC Apex card? And for some reason, the UFC has video footage of this altercation? And certainly,
1: I think that footage will be used in the promotion for <laughs> said main event. But absolutely, if both guys win, we're seeing that fight. The thing is, we probably we might not see that fight. Uh, we'll get into that later. But uh, old Bobby Green has a tough matchup ahead of him in that co-main event <laughs> slot.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, that, I mean, we were going to kind of talk UFC Austin a little bit. I guess we should just kind of get into UFC Austin okay. here yeah. at the beginning of the show. But, like, you know, obviously you, you like the main event here. I mean, me and Daniel before the show, we were kind of talking about where we think kind of the UFC dropped the ball a little bit. that This fight card should have probably been next week when really there's not much um, sports going on. Of course, that's being, you know, College Football Conference uh, Championship weekend. But, you know, like, I really like that co-main event. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things that I really love the original matchup of Bobby Green. Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker breaks his arm once again, has surgery. Now Jalen Greenstar or Jalen Turner steps up to take a Bobby Green, in this matchup. And like, you, you just talk about fun fights and it's one of these fights. I do wonder, cause I believe uh, Bobby and Dan hooker was actually scheduled for be a five round fight. This is a three round fight here, but this is one of those fights. I just wonder, like just because of the fighting style, of both guys, I mean, I, I kind of just stand both these guys that have a kickboxing matchup. I, I really don't see many takedowns happening here. It's just wonder after three rounds, we, we you might just go, damn, man, I wish that there was two more rounds of this.
1: Bro, hell no! I just watched like, I just watched like six five round fights on Saturday, and you're asking me to get two? I'm done with these five round fights. I just want one in the main event, and yeah, that's it.
0: I, I had to laugh about seeing people talking about, oh, the these uh, PFL championship cards are way too long. Like you didn't think that before? Five. Five round fights scheduled for a pay-per-view, and you thought that, like, this was magically going to go fast? Like, like what, what world are we living in?
1: Bro, you were calling that one out way in advance, and I was kind of playing dev- devil's advocate. I was like, well, you know, Input Desaguenay and Josh Silvera will be a finish, and even though it's not five rounds, I'm sure Kayla will beat Aspen Ladd in a round. And no, sir, we had freaking five decisions three five round decisions the two finishes happened after the first round so uh jason as fun as bobby green and jalen turner will be i am perfectly content with the 15 minute maximum for said fight but like dude this fight is a real okay prove it bobby green moment because we've seen bobby green fight for a very long time and he's kind of been in that same position he has yet to break out but the very last time we saw him compete in the UFC against Grant Dawson, that was your breakout performance. Now, he's matched up with a top 10 lightweight, a guy who very easily in the future could challenge for a championship. So this is it, bro. This is make it or break it for Bobby Green. Is Bobby Green going to go on a run for a championship? It starts here. And it's it's going to happen on the feet if he does. I, I think Jalen Turner's path to victory could be on the feet, but by and large, it's going to be putting Bobby Green on his back. And I think that's... Um, why this is a tougher matchup for Bobby than Dan Hooker. The caveat being is Jalen's had a very short period of time to get ready for said fight. Mm-hmm. We take things like that for granted when we do bet picking and matchmaking, but these two guys have had very different pathways till Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I was just uh, pulling up UFC stats. Jalen Turner in all of his UFC fights, he has not landed uh, multiple takedowns in a fight. He has landed one takedown in a couple of fights. He landed a takedown against uh, Dan Hooker, which, of course, that was that loss there back in July of uh, earlier on this year. Uh, He also had a takedown against Jane Malarkey, had a takedown against Uros Medic takedown against Brock Weaver uh, and a takedown against Mac Musoski back on the contender series. But, like, I just think, I think from a, a Silas matchup, I think that's a fun fight. I think there's some other fun fights. I mean, obviously, we, a very important matchup in the, in the main event. Uh, Benil Dariush and Armor Serukin. you know, you look at Benil Dariush, if he cannot go, you know, of course, coming off that loss against Charles Oliveira, if he can't get the win, I mean... He, May maybe the, the days of him being a title challenger could be coming to an end, um, you know. But Rob Font, Davison Figuero, 135 pounds. I mean, I think that's a very fun fight. When I was looking at the betting odds and you know, kind of looking at some of the underdogs that you know, maybe I, th- I thought were pretty live underdogs. Davison Figueroa, me was one of those ones. Rob Font's kind of been up and down. That's that's another matchup that could be a very fun matchup, striking matchup uh, between those two guys. Uh, but I will say this: I think the thing that might be As most interesting on this card to me, it may be, A, on Friday... What does Kevin Gaslam look like cutting down to 170 pounds? I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he just was not big enough at 185 pounds. So you remember his days back at 170. It was just a struggle to get down there. He was one of those guys. You always said if there was a 175 pound weight class, it would be ideal for Kevin Gaslam. And I've seen some side by side pictures of, of the foes he, he took this week. He does look in great shape. So uh, his, the matchup against Sean Brady to me is one of those ones like you talk about best bets. I was actually kind of thinking uh, fight goes to. death. Distance in that one. When I looked earlier, it was at plus one hundred. Um that, that kinda this it would seem like this fight has a recipe to go fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean Kelvin's incredibly durable and tough and I don't know if we've seen him finish via strikes in his uh, UFC career. He's been tapped a couple of times, but by and large he's gone the distance and he's taking out a guy in Sean Brady who I think is gonna look to employ his stand up to win said fight. I'm, I'm excited for this fight card, you know. It, it takes some thinking, but you start thinking and you start liking it, right? The main card itself is entertaining in my mind. Like, these are matchups that are made where you anticipate fireworks, specifically and Figaro, but Gaslam Brady is also going to provide that. But I said it a while ago when we first started doing this podcast, and There are so many of these types of fights on this fight card, and that's the crossroads fight where a guy or girl is on a crossroads. You're either going to go one way or the other, and the list goes on. Look at what's on the line for what a win or a loss would mean for Benil Dariush, Mm -hmm. for Kelvin Gastelum, for Clay Guida, Mm -hmm. and Misha Tate. A loss for these fighters is like it may be time to retire. A win is like let's get on this rodeo once again.
0: It's kind of crazy the fact that Misha Tate's not even on the main card in this one. She's the featured prelim against Julia Havloy. Of course, Misha Tate has lost back to back fights against Caitlin Vieira and Lauren Murphy. This is her first fight since July of last year. So, what does she look like? I mean, that to me is when you look at the fight card lineup, that, that one uh, definitely sticks out to me about her being the featured prelim on this one. And I think he really hit a lot of it. Um, I'll, I'll say this, man. Punjal Soriano is always a guy I love watching fight. I mean, you just talk about like. There's guys that you just know no matter what, no matter who they're standing across the case from, whether they're the favorite, whether the underdog, they're just gonna bring that dog fight. And that to me is Punjell Soriano. He's like he's just one of those guys that I've always enjoyed watching fight. He's exciting.
1: Um, Dustin Stoltzfus, his opponent, was on the receiving end of a highlight reel knockout against Abus Magamadroff the last time we saw him. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he's probably gonna be on the receiving end of another exciting finish. Pretty sure that's going to be the fight that gets that fight card started off on. But, like, yeah. You know, again, it's always good to see uh, Clay Guida out there. I mean, he is one of those OGs along with Jim Miller. He has been on the Ross Pearson streak of alternating wins or losses. But I think all in all, bro, looking at my picks for this main card in terms of the fights that really, really matter, bro, I'm liking liking Rob Font to to welcome Davison Figueredo with the loss of that division. I'm liking Sean Brady to give Kelvin the L. I'm picking Jalen Turner, Jason. And I've gone back and forth on this main event, man. And I am rolling with Benil Dariush. I don't feel good about it. But it wasn't too long ago he was on a hell of a run where mm-hmm. he separated himself from the class of lightweight. The way he looked against Gamrot... If he can perform like that and he has plenty of motivation given the upsetting way he lost last time out, this could be it for Darius. So I'm going to Darius here. I'm rolling the dice.
0: Look, the, the one thing when you look at Armasaruki, and, and this very much feels like a very old school matchup by by the UFC here where you have you know the guy's been around a long time and, and now this up and coming guy but Armasaruki where you look at where he's had you know he's had a lot of success in the UFC has been the ability to take the fight to the ground. He had four takedowns against Joaquin Silva, seven takedowns against Umagulov. He had two takedowns against Alvarez 10 takedowns against Matt Frivola. So you know but obviously if you know taking Benil Darius to the ground is a very, uh, you know, I don't know how many people would necessarily advise that. Now, maybe if he feels like he he's wearing Darius down later on the fight, maybe he gets this, his fight gets in the third, fourth round, and he just kind of feels like, you know, hey, I can just take this guy to the ground and control him. But, you know, we, we have seen what Darius can do with submission. But it, it's a great matchup at 155 pounds. I'm looking forward to it. I do favor Armour Sarukium to go out there and, and get the victory. Um, you know, the co-main event, man, I, I'm telling you... I, <sighs> Jalen Turner stepping up on such short notice is kind of a concern to me in, in this one. I mean, I, I think if you, if you said he had a full fight camp, I think I wouldn't have a problem in picking him here. But I, I'm going to say I'm going to pick Bobby Green in an upset. And I'll tell you, I'm going to pick Diverson Figueredo to pull off the upset against my guy Rob Font. Like, I know you know, you know, know, he's my Tampa guy. He's from Tampa. But uh, I, I think I, I like Diverson Figueredo at this stage of his career and where Rob Font's at in this stage of his career.
1: Yeah, yeah, and a lot of unknowns with that one. What Davis is going to look like? I mean, he was the best at one twenty five for a short period of time. The difference in frame is going to be interesting. Obviously, Rob's taller. Obviously, he's longer. Got to give Davison the speed advantage on the stand up. The big question maybe is going to be power. Who's going to be landing the bigger power shots? But uh, yeah, we are on opposing corners for a lot of these fights, my man, and. um, I guess just to wrap things on the on the most notable fights, I, I think uh, Julia Avila has her way with Misha Tate and uh, she gives her another loss. I, I don't like that matchup for Misha.
0: Steve Garcia is always a guy that's kind of, uh, he, he's a name I always remember. And the only reason I remember him, I mean, I've interviewed him a couple of times, but I remember uh, going out to an event in New Mexico and he was on that card and. So I'm, I get to the arena and they were doing a conference call. I want to say it was like maybe for Tito and Rampage or, or some conference call. And so Bellator PR is letting me into the building so I can get into the media room to do this call. And uh, I remember I looked at the the PR person. I said, who, who are these fans here for? They go, oh, uh, that's Steve Garcia fans. Um, He was the first fight of the prelims. He's now after the main card. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dude, we see
1: that happen all the time in professional wrestling. You know, we'll have a kid debut, and when a kid debuts, the whole family's out there. His co workers are out there. Oh, Get a big crowd. The biggest mistake you could do is put that kid on match one.
0: Because the, they, they, yeah, it, that, that's the whole thing, and that's one of the things I always learned when I did the podcast with Sam Kaplan. And, and Sam would say, "He's like, he's like, look, you know, people would would look at the the, the bout order, and, you, and there'd always be kind of the questions of why why maybe a more noble name was early on the fight, and there was a less noble name that was later on in the prelims." And he said, "Yeah, it's because we knew that person sold three or four hundred tickets, and we didn't want to put that fighter on the first you know, one, two, three fights, and all of a sudden those people just bounce out of the building. You know, he's, he's at the end of the day, you know, when you go on TV, you want to have a full arena.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some thought put into bout order. You got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't mean I still won't criticize the UFC next week for putting Tetsuro Taira still on the prelims on this godforsaken okay, card. I,
0: I'll, get, I'll tell you why that is. Because they want to get him earlier on the card for the Japan audience to get him more on a favorable time slot for the Japanese. That's why okay. that is. You win. You were right. I mean, I mean, like, I, I understand yeah, where yeah. you're coming from, from a United States-based audience of, hey, put him on the main car, get more exposure in the United States. But um, I, I remember, I don't know, man, it was like probably a year ago, I had someone say, uh, they, they reached out to me and they said, hey, the reason that is is we they want to get that fighter on a prime slot for the region they're from
1: that makes a lot of sense you see it's it's okay to get educated on the podcast that makes sense i mean at some point you're gonna have to boost the guy to the main car no matter what oh yeah, yeah. because like he is legitimately like one of the most exciting dudes at flyweight but uh yeah yeah i guess we'll get to that when we get to it but
0: it's a valid point i have not even looked ahead to that fight card yet I, I, and I can only, you know, of course, that fight car is supposed to be in Shanghai, China. It does not happen in China for whatever reason. Now moves over to the apex, which, by the way, speaking of the apex, I, I mentioned this note to Daniel before the show. Uh, MMA mania had a tweet. Man, and I saw this come across my timeline earlier today. and It said the last time Armin Sarukian fought in front of a sold-out UFC crowd was against Olivier Aubin-Mercier in 2019. And I said a day and I go, it makes you wonder, what is the percentage of fighters on the UFC roster that have been in the UFC since... 2020, 2020, 2021, 2022, even 2023 that have never fought or or have not fought in front of a live crowd since 2019. I
1: know there's probably a couple of names out there. I mean I looked at Tyra as one of them and he had one his last fight was at a pay-per-view but that's crazy to think about like what's happened since he fought Oliver Aubin Mercier in front of a crowd? Well Oliver has gone to fight 10 times in the PFL. Win two million dollars and retire. So a whole lot has happened since Armin's fought in front of a sold-out crowd. Obviously, when you look at the fight resume, most of them weren't in the Apex and a couple in Abu Dhabi, but that was during coronavirus times, so wasn't a sold-out crowd.
0: I was thinking about um, this earlier today, you know, driving around because I was actually listening to the Impecusogunai interview with Anakin Foreign Podcast, and like you think about like someone like him. You know, uh, that, uh, you know, Panado, uh, another one that they were, they had, you know, the chance in UFC doesn't work out. And they go over to the PFL. And for Impa, he had five fights this year in the PFL. I don't, God knows how many fights it would take for him to win, a, to make a million dollars in the UFC. But he just did that in less than 12 months in the PFL.
1: Seriously, guys, think about how much money you make in a year. Think about how long, how many years it's going to take for you to get to that number. Impa made that in yeah. one night. I mean, that is the beauty of the PFL. There's a lot of warts on the PFL, but we had several fighters make life-changing money mm-hmm. in a single night. I mean, obviously a lot of that money gets taken away due to taxes, so it's not a straight a $1 million that's in your bank account. But uh, yeah, man, all I got to say is if I'm an agent, I'm trying to get my fighter in the PFL. Oh, no I'm trying to get a percentage of that purse.
0: Yeah, but it also is one of those things of, you know, you look at Olivier Aubin-Mercier and, and look, you know, you mentioned about it. he's made $2 million the last two years fighting in the PFL, but, like, you know, I wonder, you know, and obviously he's announced his retirement, and, uh, look, and, you know, never believe retirement's in mixed martial arts, but, like, I do wonder, like, you know, you look at someone like like him that has been around this sport for a long time, is it how much of the the thought process of retiring and you know, he, he had mentioned about, he didn't have those butterflies anymore and, and all that. And, and maybe it just was time for him to go, but like how much of that, that tournament grind where you're, you're fighting. I mean, literally he fought eight times in, in the last two years it, it, that it just physically takes out. And I've heard some other people kind of talk about this, about this PFL format. Like it's not made for, a guy who's been around for a long time. It's not. It's not really built for a female that's been around for a long time because you're literally, you're. It's fight camp, fight, and then you're right back into a fight camp, and and you're doing that. You know, potentially four times in, in one year. But there is something that, um, to paraphrase what you said last week when we were talking about kind of this, you know, with the PFL and Bellator merger. You, I, I don't know the exact words you used, but you kind of basically said. All right, let's see how long it is before the PFL is gonna make an error. You know, or you know, some type of bad move. Daniel, it took him a goddamn week. <laughs> One like, week in. Like, like I get your, your whole thing is your sporting aspect and all that. And what I'm talking about is after the PFL World Championships, Don Davis comes out and says, quote, it's champ versus champ. Larissa has earned that, but will Chris then fight Kayla in 24? 100%. That is going to happen. Chris will have two fights in 2024. Kayla will have two fights in 2024. And one of those will be Chris against Kayla. We think that Larissa has earned that. Once again, you have to do champ versus champ. Chris is the champ of Bellator. Larissa is the champ here. We have to see that fight happen first. Coming out of that, you'll see Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison as the next fight in 2024. Now, clearly, Don Davis is becoming the spokesman. Uh, He's becoming the Dana White uh, of the PFL. Hey, Don. Have have you not met the MMA gods?
1: Yep. The MMA gods (laughs) will punish you.
0: There's one fight we want to see the PFL can make right now. There's one fight. Tell me what other fight interests you as much as Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison. Look, man. Let's see. You you Absolutely. tell me you're, you're 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 I'm gonna start just naming some matchups. Tell me which ones you like more than Harrison versus Cyborg, Bader versus Faheya. Nimkov versus Impa, Eblin versus Brunson, Jackson versus Magomedkaramov, Usman versus Clay Collard, uh, Patricio against Pinedo, Cyborg versus Pacheco. Look. What what what? Whatever fight I just mentioned get you as excited to be in front of your television set on a Friday or Saturday night to watch a PFL event more than Chris Seiberg versus K.O. Harrison? And for me, none of those interests me as much as as that fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only fight that interests me as much is Ngannou versus Ryan Bader, right? Like, okay, okay sign me up for that one. That one, sign me. Like, if you told me. On one screen you have Kayla in Cyborg, and on one screen you have Bader and in Nganu. I'm actually probably going to pay attention to Bader and Nganu. Okay,
0: um,
1: that's it. That's the list. That's the one fight. Yeah. The gap between Larissa and Cyborg, and my interest in Harrison and Cyborg, it, it's it's huge. It is huge. It is it is unbelievably huge. I was trying to do a quick like. Um, I couldn't figure it out. I was trying to figure I was trying to do like a Google search on Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg, and a Google search on Chris Cyborg, Larissa Pacheco, and compare the number of results for each of the uh each of the Googles, but um I was unable to to figure out the total number. But I'm gonna hazard a guess that there's a lot more results for Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg. Jason this has been the number one conversation we have had regarding the PFL over the past two years. Mm-hmm. When you have an opportunity to pull the trigger on a fight that people care about, you do it. You do not tempt the MMA gods. The MMA gods have forsaken us. We will never see John Jones and Nganu. We will never see Tony Ferguson and Habib mm-hmm. Nurmagomedov. The MMA gods. They do not mess around. And the PFL is messing around. Um, it's like, hats off to you for being sporting and whatnot. But just put on the fights the fans want to see. Mm-hmm. And it's Cyborg and Kayla Harrison. We're not going to see every champion fight every champion. Held the Bellator World Tourweight Champion... I'm assuming. The PFL World Tournament Champion just retired. The Bellator Lightweight Champion is, you know, suspended. Make mm-hmm. the fight. Hell... Why don't you give Liz Carmouche a call and be like, hey, Liz, can you make 135? Hey, Larissa, can you make 135? Let's do a 135-pound matchup between those two.
0: So let's. Let, I want to file these next two uh, comments in the you got to be kidding me uh, column. So this is a Chris Cyborg post on X on November the 25th. As I said last night, lots of plans being made and announced. I have not had any contact with anyone from the PFL since the news of the purchase. One thing I control is how my career finishes company culture and the way I'm going to be treated as I finish the final fights of my career are a priority. Despite having two fighters call me out a fight night, I was one of the few Bellator or champions not to be contacted or invited to the show. I'm financially at a point in my life that I'm unwilling to enter any toxic work environments. My mental health is too important. I am excited to be boxing on January 19th. And after the talks with my team have occurred, we'll start to look at options for my MMA return. Then she posted this on November 26th. Confirms who and when I am going to fight. I haven't heard from Don Davis, Peter Murray, or anyone else from the PFL since the purchase. Those conversations should probably occur before confirming my future to the media. Company culture and corporate respect are important to me at this stage in my career. I've earned the right to determine how and when I finish fighting and MMA. Now, I did see in her uh, podcast that she does with James Lynch that the PFL reached out on Sunday to her management team via email. I'm still like, once again, you want to talk about fumbling a situation? The PFL fumbled the situation. Like, how once you officially acquire and you announce that you have acquired Bellator, like, the first thing you should be doing. Is picking up the phone and talking to every notable fighter on that roster, like it's it's. When I saw this these comments from Chris Cyborg, I was like, "What the hell is a PFL thinking?"
1: Yeah, and maybe if we get the PFL side of things, something's different. Because the one thing is, Cyborg can't be trusted wholeheartedly. Right? Like, we need to hear both sides. I'll do so, so that. So, yeah. Sometimes Cyborg paints a picture that, or her manager paints a picture that isn't accurate.
0: And uh, the BFL can I, do that too.
1: Oh, no, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. But the reason why I'm starting off by saying that is that it is very outrageous that she wasn't contacted. That's why I'm putting that caveat in. Right? Like, if you're Chris Cyborg and you weren't contacted and you're sitting at home and you're watching the pay per view and you're seeing jackson there in the thing you're seeing every single champion represented during the fight ryan bader is on the thing so that's why it's very crazy (laughs) to me that she wasn't contacted
0: bro bader's on a zoom so you couldn't pick up the phone and say hey k chris if you can't be in new york can we get you do a zoom interview on the broadcast
1: yes if they didn't try and contact chris cyborg there was clearly a conversation where they chose not to Because they chose to contact or fly out every other champion, basically. So that's why I'm starting off my thing by having that caveat. Maybe they did try and reach out to Cyborg, and Cyborg was hard to reach out to. That's a real possibility. I don't think that's what happened, because there's been a lot of disrespect from both sides with this negotiation. So I do tend to believe Chris Cyborg, but it's worth noting we got to get both sides. But. If we're we're going under the impression that that's what happened, once again, you're you're fumbling the ball. When you look at the Bellator roster, Chris Cyborg is one of your more notable names currently that you have under control. It's a name you can promote. It's a name you can be in business with, that you now have that contract in your portfolio. And she can just choose to retire. I mean, she has that money. She can choose to just box. She has that opportunity. And to fumble the ball and not even get her inside the PFL smart cage would be um, would be an all-time interception. It would be a pick six. And uh, if I'm Chris Cyborg, I'm not fighting Larissa Pacheco right away. Why? Because Larissa's really good. Granted, both Larissa and Kayla Harrison did have disappointing performances. And the reason why they're disappointing is because they each have been so dominant up until their fights. But, like, you know, Larissa lost a round against Marina Mach. Nakina, and she had some close moments. She got out and wrestled at times. And Kayla, I mean, she just kind of controlled the position of Aston Lab, but didn't do too much. So still, if I'm Cyborg, Kayla's the fight I want, and it's the only fight I take.
0: I mean, look. I understand that you want to do this champ versus champ fight card, the Bellator chance versus the PFL chance, but also there's got to be a thing about go out there and give the fights that the fans want to see. And you know, as we kind of look ahead to what could potential matchups for a Bellator PFL card come to, I mean, there's some matchups. Obviously, I, what do you do at middleweight? What do you do at Bantamweight with Johnny Ebbwin and, and uh, Patchy Mix? I'll say this. Like, I was you know, thinking of the matchups. Like, at Bantamweight, obviously, PFL doesn't have a Bantamweight division or, or has had a Bantamweight division. They have a Bantamweight division now with all these ones. Like, And you look at Patchy Mix, and, I mean, you look at that Bellator Ross, a lot of it's it's going to be rematches for him. But a guy that he's not fought in a while, and, of course, uh, he's got a matchup coming up here on, on New Year's Eve in Ryzen. I would do him versus Juan Archuleta. I think that's a really good matchup. The Johnny Eblen thing, I, I think you put him against Eric Brunson. I mean, I, I you know whether that happens in, on a Bellator versus PFL car or maybe it's on a Bellator international series. by go there, but like because I think about like some of these matchups uh, of you know the champion versus champion. Obviously, you know, I mean Cyborg Pacheco, I think would be a fun fight, but obviously we much rather see Cyborg versus Harrison uh, Patricio and Pinedo I think that would be a good one um, Usman obviously he's got that suspension um, you know and of course OAM retiring we'll see if that actually does happen Jackson versus Magomed Karimov uh, Magomed Karimov is, is one of the guys that said I'm done with the PFL tournament uh, I just want, kind of want to you know, to get these one off fights uh, Nimkov versus Impa would be interesting of course Nimkov uh, had talked about moving up to heavyweight uh, Impa even saying that he wants to fight Francis and he would love to do that in Africa and, and, and ba- I will say this: I don't know if Ryan Bader would win that fight against Freya. No, I.
1: Freya is a hard, hard hitter, bro. Obviously, the I'm picking Ryan Bader because of one reason: wrestling. <laughs> we saw it. We saw it against Goldsoff. Goldsoff was able to put Hennan against his back, but it just took Freya a couple shots to put Goldstock to sleep. I mean, Ferreira is a, an amazing athlete, huge frame. He's he's an absolute beast. So he's a live dog in that fight. I would imagine he's going to be an underdog, and those are all great champion versus champion matchups. And I think what's interesting is what are some of those fights, these non-champion fights we might see on the preliminary card that get you excited that you would want to see?
0: I got four matchups for you. How about Aaron Pico versus Brandon Laughlin? Love it. Absolutely love it. AJ McKee versus Shane Burgos. Absolutely love it. Corey Anderson versus either Tiago Santos or Rob Wilkinson.
1: Sign me up with uh, Anderson versus
0: uh, Wilkinson. Amosov or Koreshkoff against C. I,
1: I I think you got to go uh, give me Koreshkoff or C. I, I like that one.
0: Yeah, I think stylistically that would be a fun matchup.
1: I think, yeah, I I think so too. Um, I think the one guy you got to look at, you got to get a matchup for and who his opponent is is, could be interesting. But to me, Clay Collard is one of the most exciting dudes Mm -hmm. on that PFL roster. And if I'm looking to match him up, like I'm literally looking at a pit bull. You know, I'm looking at Petriki Pitbull versus Clay Collard.
0: But you, you know what the problem is with this potential Bellator PFL card? What's that? Are we making all these five round fights of these these champ versus champ fights?
1: For the love of God! I mean, yes, they are. They they absolutely are. What if you made? But, what uh, if you
0: made like a month long event? Like it was like you said, hey, every Friday in March we're live on. Whatever their TV platform is, I think it's probably going to be ESPN+. Plus. That's just my, my personal ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. But, like, what if you sit there and said, like, maybe you don't do March because of March Madness. Maybe you you do – maybe you can do it in February. You said, hey, every Friday in February, we're going to have tour versus PFL, and it's a month-long ordeal as opposed to doing it all in one night.
1: I think that's a great idea. It, it's – you can put on marketable fights. You can – there are plenty of fighters that you can do non-title fights that are interesting, right? Like pair up Cedric Dumbay with a Bellator
0: fighter. Let's see what happens. That's a, a great, great thought process. Great thought process.
1: And, hell, even Ray Cooper. Match him up with a, a Bellator middleweight. The poor dude got wrestled to death against Derek Brunson. Give him okay. something interesting. How
0: about him Him and Fabian Edwards?
1: Oh. That's that sounds like fun, man. That's a, that's a fight I would want to see, and so you could do that, Jason. I do think that's a great idea, and it gives you something to do as we wait for the tournament. You do those fights, you give people their appetite, and then you can kind of piece together your tournament. You 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 The PFL has an opportunity to have a really exciting twenty twenty four. If they do the PFL versus Bellator situation, and then boom tournament stacked with Ross with, with talented fighters.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what these tournaments look like in 2024, but like, I I think it's one of those things of the PFL has to get the MMA fan base invested in what they're doing. And I mean, look, it's tough in the mixed martial arts industry to get people invested in what you do because there are so many UFC events. I mean, you think about, I mean, obviously this month when we have three UFC events in, in the month of December, But, like, overall, like, you think about it, more times than not, you know, I would probably say, what, maybe probably seven out of 12 months a year, you probably got a UFC event every weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Usually around winter is when it feels a little less, but absolutely. You have to wrestle the attention away from the big dog, and the big dog likes to go for a walk every weekend. So you got to butt in and, and, and figure out how to get it done. And, you know, it could be running a, a different night than the UFC. But first and foremost, you got to put on interesting fights. And the one thing is adding the bell to a roster gives you fighters you can market and fighters with potential. The sky is the limit for Pico, for AJ McKee, for Doombay, for Archie Colgan. These are really talented fighters. That have an opportunity to become a star with the platform ESPN because they are going from a platform that was basically, you know, almost as relevant as what the freaking bear hunting channel on channel three forty seven. They go from that to ESPN. It's a big difference. I think they go to that from that to ESPN. Did people announce their next deal?
0: They've not, um, Don Davis had mentioned that was going to be two weeks after, so oh, I guess we'll get, we'll get announced get next won't week. will be on
1: ESPN, bro. I, I spoke I, out of my mouth.
0: I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, if someone's willing to give PFL a, a ton of money, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to, if you, you think back in, I mean, this would have been like 2019-ish, when Dezone gave Bellator a ton of money, and Bellator was very profitable, my understanding, at that moment. When that dezone deal went away, it's it's one of the things that that really crippled Bellator, and you know I mentioned about Mike Hogan, he was on the MMA Hour this week, and I'll tell you he didn't say anything that was newsworthy to at least it wasn't he didn't say anything that I really wasn't aware of. Um, you know I, I thought one of the the more interesting things he did say that is uh, if if he does not end up doing anything with the PFL, that he'll probably just exit the the mixed martial arts industry said he's like look I I don't you know he's, he goes uh you know, say so he would not go down the manager role again uh, you know and uh, if anyone's followed King Mo uh, King Mo has had a lot to say about Mike Kogan and Mike Hogan did represent King Mo at one time and uh, you know I think what will be interesting to me with the PFL is you know whether they bring in Mike Kogan or or they bring in anybody else from Bellator that you know understands or has shown the ability to know how to market a young fighter and get a young fighter the right fights at the right time is is kind of what we see that progression of like if you think about Bellator the past couple of years they've done a really great job of finding you know amateur wrestlers and and getting them the right fights not pushing them too much. And that to me will be the interesting thing uh, in terms of that. Now, of course, uh, another thing, uh, kind of, uh, it is related to Bellator and the PFL. Michael Page has been a free agent. And there was a story that came out this week that uh, Michael Page did an interview where he basically says, still a few hurdles to go. But uh, Dana White's doing an interview on the Nelk Boys. And a little, someone uh, threw a little screenshot from, uh, I guess, the video that was of the uh, UFC War Room board. And it says, Kevin Holland versus M. Page which we all kind of figured. And when I saw that Daniel, I was kind of like, wow, that's kind of surprising matchmaking. I would have thought they were going to throw Michael Page to the Wolf against a wrestler.
1: I know, right? There's two lines of thinking that we've seen out of the UFC when they bring in somebody that has made a name in another promotion. There's two ways of going. We bury them. We promote them. It looks like if you are a striker, the answer is we will promote you. If you're a wrestler, they're probably going to try and bury you. But since Michael Page is a striker and is someone they probably envision they can market, it appears as though he's going to get those favorable matchups. And it makes a lot of sense because Michael Page is one of those additions of the UFC roster that immediately can become a name like Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler.
0: Yeah, you know, you, you think about uh, in terms of that. Uh, oh, by the way, Daniel. You know, when we get done with this podcast, you know what you can do. What's that? You can just hop over to the Rumble and watch slap fighting. They got a live show tonight. I was just, I was just, I was going on the uh, the UFC website to pull up the uh, rankings, and that's the very first thing. Who's slapping uh, tonight? You act like I know. They don't have like good nicknames. I don't know. Like I mean, like I, I can only imagine. I mean, it, it's called uh, Power Slap Road to the Title Season Two tonight. Nine oh o'clock. my god.
1: Oh my god. I think uh, I think Monkey Wrench is gonna take on Bayou Bastard. And uh, this this fight website sucks. I wonder if this is a different one. No, this is not the right website because it says this website is for sale. Okay. I want to slap fight. So
0: you, you, you I went look, to
1: Slapfight.com and it's it's for sale, man.
0: So you think about this. So if they, you know, Michael Page ultimately will say he does end up signing with UFC, which I think we all kind of figure. So they're th- they would be potentially throwing him in against Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is number twelve. If you look above him, boy, a matchup against Vicente Luque. If Luque gets past Ian Gary, who Ian Gary's having a bad week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw someone said Vicente Luque needs to show up to the press conference. With a custom shirt of Ian Gary's wife's book on the shirt.
1: Yeah, man, that's a it's a bad look. If you if you look at the the book, you are like I am
0: just saying, hey Ian Gary, good thing you ain't fighting Colby Covington. Oof, Colby would have a field day with this stuff.
1: Oh no, yeah, yeah. Ian Gary has been. I mean, hell, even uh, had a headline with um, Brendan Allen saying Ian Gary was knocked out in camp.
0: I saw that, yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of guys going after Ian Gary.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh I it would seem like Ian Gary and his team are not handling this very well. I'm just saying, man, in this sport, if you show that that, you know, you're 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 talking about thought making lawsuits against people for defamation character, libel and all that. Like, man, when you actually start fighting people who know how to shit talk, oh my goodness. I can only imagine what a Colby Covington would say.
1: I know, man, he's going to have to go to the Supreme court if he takes on Colby Covington.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like you, you look at this and I can, I can only imagine what Colby Covington would go and say. I mean, I did, I did see a, uh, A headline the other day that I guess Michael Bisping on his podcast came out and said that you know he feels that this is Colby Covington's last opportunity for to to become a UFC champion, which I don't disagree with. I I think it's it's really going to be an opportunity, and I'll say this like. I think Colby Covington probably gets the job done later, you know, later, you know, here in a couple weeks against Leon Edwards, but it's kind of interesting, you know, if Michael Page comes in here like if you're giving him the number 12 guy, to me that tells me he's going to have a very fast road to potentially getting my guess is it probably takes him three wins to get a title shot.
1: I mean, when you look at this welterweight roster, what are the hypothetical Michael Page fights that get you excited that you want to see?
0: Okay, just looking at the top ten here. I mean, Ian Gary, I think would be a fun one. I uh, really would not want to see him get Sean Bray because I think Sean Bray would really try to use all his grappling and get some. I like the Luke matchup. Jeff Neal, Stephen Thompson, that would be a uh, you know two karate guys going at. But they've actually you know become have, have formed a friendship over like about the past year or so, and they've both kind of talked about not really a fight they want. Rock Monoff, I think, is a bad fight for Michael Page. Uh, yeah. Gilbert Burns. I think that could be an interesting matchup. Um, if Gilbert were to stand with him, Colby Cummings in, That's a bad matchup. Uh, Blood Muhammad. Um, I, I, you know, I, I was favorable in that one, but I think that's a fun one. And then Usman. I mean, U- Usman showed me a lot against against Shemaya, Man, I, I was really thinking he was on the downside of his career, even though he you know he had that bad opening round. He really came back in that in that matchup.
1: Yeah, man, he did, and. If he wants to continue to compete, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, doubt him. I think the best matchup is the first one we're getting, if that's what it is. I mean Holland and and Page is honestly the perfect opening matchup for him. There there really isn't a better fight in my mind. I, I just think that one is guaranteed to be exciting. Like Thompson and, and, and Page is the one that you said probably won't happen, and that one also will be exciting, but that one also could be a karate point fight where it's like uh Boring. I think Holland and Page has zero percent chance of being boring. All because Kevin Holland is, you know, he's big mouth. He's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about. It. By the way, you mentioned about that Brian Allen. Uh, the headline was Brian Allen says Ian Gary was KO'd at Killcliff, and there's a video. Should stop talking so much. Oh my god,
1: poor Ian Gary. The man is undefeated. Leave him alone. Oh, Leave man. the man alone. Had a great performance against Neil Magny.
0: That, like that story, just came out of nowhere. And like I've seen some, I mean, like it, it's always it's always interesting to me uh, on some people who, who cover this sport. And uh, there definitely were were people. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Ian Gary's wife uh, releases a statement um, as. Uh, as, as it was, MMA fans, in this article uh, says, Last week, MMA fans stumbled across Leila Ann Lee's How to Be a Wag Book and began bashing her for writing what has been interpreted as a guide for gold diggers. And uh, her statement was, Looking at the hate in the majority of the clips and the comments that I'm getting, without a doubt, the biggest thing I've done wrong is age, she said on her Instagram story. I've got older, and I have birthdays every year, and that's effing disgusting coming from a woman. Especially, getting older is not acceptable. I effed up there. Uh, she goes. I wrote a book called "How to Be a Wag." Now, the statement itself is a little bit of a stretch. I can hardly call myself an author of an eleven-page, audible-only satire story that was written in 2010. And then allegedly, their her ex-husband lives with them. There's a fighters are going to have field day with this story. Sean Strickland's yeah. already had a field day. I love <laughs> how Sean, Sean, Strickland. Sean Strickland's like, yeah, Subi, join the line.
1: <laughs> I know. Sean Strickland's got to have a strong dude, legal team.
0: Did you see the ring video, Sean Strickland?
1: No. Yeah, some
0: dude just stumbling into Sean Strickland's driveway.
1: Oh, my God. That is an awful idea. If there was one driveway I wouldn't want to stumble into. It it would be it would be hidden. Oh my God! I now see the thumbnail. Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> the the ma uh, ma mania article. Hot pursuit. Arm Sean Strickland responds to ring cam video. Chases down fleeing fugitive. He was arrested. Was he a fugitive? So Strickland wrote this on Instagram. Here's what I know. The guy was drunk, stomping at a out out. Drunk stomping out a girl, a security guard seen it. He jumped into his car and drove off. Security followed him, hit a curb, completely shredded his tire, drove on the rim for a while, then jumped out and tried to hide at my house. I initially thought he was stealing my car. He was arrested.
1: Holy crap. Holy crap. Sean Strickland loses these moments. I've seen the video now. Uh, Gosh, Sean Strickland, man. I mean...
0: He's living the dream.
1: He's a middleweight champion.
0: Uh, He's I, a superhero. You know, for for us longtime fans of this sport, you know, you remember when GSP was fighting BJ Penn and did the UFC primetime? Can we yeah, get Penn. a UFC primetime for Sean Strickland, Drake's 2 plus Cs. I just want to – could you imagine following Sean, a camera following Sean Strickland around for three weeks?
1: I feel like if I was a cameraman – I'd probably be a little concerned for several reasons.
0: You but might feel I, I safe be... though. You might feel safe.
1: Yeah. Until you go to the restroom. I mean, I mean come, come on. Can, can we get,
0: can we get in our Sean Strickland MTV cribs?
1: Yeah. The, how has life changed since he won the championship? Yeah. We need, we need the, yeah, I, um, he is a man that is always on the razor wire. It's like, I don't know if he's going to go over. I don't know if he's going to go too far.
0: But, uh, because he's gonna- you, you, you know, you know, the UFC has hit up Sean Strickland and also Sean Strickland's management. He's represented by Iridium Sports Management, Jason House. I got to imagine that there's been a phone call of, hey, man, um, can you talk to your client? Can you get him to comply a little bit with us?
1: absolutely
0: can can he act like a champion (laughs) the answer is hell no he lives
1: by his own rules man
0: like I'm I'm saying this like like look as a a, if you're a fan of combat sports and I said you got one night to hang out with a UFC fighter and you just get to be along for the ride okay like obviously I think Tatu Ivasa would be a hell of a fun night Oh yeah! I mean, I mean, I might be massively hungover the next day. Derek Lewis, I think would be hilarious. Sean Strickland, I don't know what would happen.
1: You, you would, you would, might end up in the woods. Might end up in a jail cell. I, the options are limited. I mean, yeah, you go with Sean O'Malley, you're probably going to be high. I'm for, it. Volk- I'm for it. Alexander Volkanovsky is probably going to put you through a workout.
0: Vol- Volk seems like he would be a hell of a fun time.
1: No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. John Jones, another one where, you know, crime might be involved. Uh, I feel like, you know, Cyril gone would be a good time. Play some soccer. You know, play some FIFA. What
0: Just do you think it would be out. like
1: hanging out with Alex Bahia? Intense.
0: I mean, the I mean, guy was shows, a, like, no emotion.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I would want to hang out with Glover to share is who I'd want to hang out with. He's There's got big, still, dead energy.
0: I, I'll never forget that meme where <laughs> Glover's talking to Alex. Glover's got a pitcher of beer in his hand, not a glass, a pitcher, and he's wearing a fanny pack.
1: That is retired <laughs> in a nutshell. That is I retirement.
0: I mean, I'd be like, I can say this. I've been working in the bar industry, you know, in some capacity for 20 years. There may be a handful of times I've literally seen someone just drinking straight out of a pitcher.
1: <laughs> That's a man's man, dude. Glover is a man's man. You look at man in the dictionary. Look, look, look,
0: I'm saying this right now, okay? If I walked into a, you know, one of my local establishments that I love to play darts in, and I need a partner, and I saw Glover stand over there, fanny pack, drinking out of a pitcher, I'm going, that's my teammate. That's the guy who was my teammate because I guarantee you, he knows some bar games.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, and you're walking out with the dub also.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Glover just looks like somebody to just be fun to hang with. No,
1: no doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. I think uh, him, you know, sign me up with a night on the town with Forrest Griffin. I'm sure he knows how to party and have a good time. Maybe get in a couple of fist fights, you know. Yuri Prohaska, I don't know what the hell he's going to get us into.
0: <sighs> I, why? Why do I feel like Yuri be like, "Hey, we're going to this axe throwing place."
1: Oh yeah, something violent. Paulo Costa, you know, is going to just you know.
0: Okay, I I've never been to an axe throwing place before. It's something I do kind of want to do. But I'm also very concerned about throwing that thing and it fires right back at me.
1: Yeah, I think it's like one of those things like Top Golf where they have a net under and they, they've got some type of precaution because things happen. I mean, I saw a video of a, of a girl <gasps> doing the golf swing on the Top Golf and she literally fell, dude, down the thing. Oh, yeah, the yeah, there,
0: there's a, uh, yeah. There's a net right underneath it in
1: case so you So there's got to be something like that with the axes because uh, that has to happen often, right? There's um, always a clue no. to do.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember um, one of the times we almost went axe throwing, they were like, yeah, they are like, hey, fellas, we've had, we've had a couple cocktails in us, and uh, there's no cocktails in an axe throwing place. I was like, well, that does make, that does make a hell of a lot of sense, <laughs> you, there probably should not be cocktails involved, and you're throwing an axe at a, at a wood board, that, that's probably a wise idea.
1: No, I think 100% that is spot on. <laughs> that is the one place, you know, that a gun range. We should probably be have all our marbles with us.
0: I have, uh, I have not gone to a gun range. I have shot a shotgun before with uh, clay pigeons, but, but, but I did that when I was much younger.
1: Yeah, I've never done it either. But if we were hanging out with Sean Strickland, I'm sure that's one of the things that would be on the activity list.
0: I feel like if there is like some membership to a gun range in Las Vegas, Sean Strickland's got a membership. I think he owns. I think he owns it. what <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's. Uh, and, and I was telling Daniel this earlier today. I was like, you know, I was like, man, it's like a really slow news week in MMA. It is, man. Which, is, which uh, means once we get done recording this show, something crazy will drop. Yeah,
1: no one's talking, bro it's like a there's less news in MMA than you know turning on a NBA game and hearing any news about Josh Giddy. Uh, it's just uh, real quiet on uh, both fronts.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean I'm like over on the MMA Reddit um, you know, the first thing is Aljamain Sterling officially announces move the featherweight targeting Max Holloway. Uh, for the first fight then it's Bobby Green claims Armstrongian and his team attacked him at UFC Austin Hotel. Uh, Darren Till versus Ross Levine negotiation underway for karate combat title fight. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just there's not a lot of major news right now. I mean, uh, I did find it very interesting. um, You know, Dana White was on Nelk Boy's uh, podcast, and and one of his comments that he made that got a little bit of headline was, uh, Michael Chandler in financial position to wait however long it takes for Conor McGregor. Yeah, I'm calling BS on that one Yeah
1: I am too I am too And uh, yeah I mean do, you, do do we see Chandler McGregor Is that the fight
0: Man I hope for Chandler he gets the fight I mean I really do I mean you, you've been You do the season the ultimate fighter And you're waiting around Waiting around waiting around man you, I hope he gets that fight um, But man like there is part of you that goes, why do I think he does not get that fight?
1: Yeah. It's cuz, you, know? you know, I agree with you. I think the longer it goes on, the less likely it seems cuz I think Conor is going to go for either a more marketable fight or an easier fight to win.
0: I mean, look, I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting matchups like, you know, you could do Michael Page. You could do Michael Page. Um, you can Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz. I mean, yeah. th- th- there's a lot of routes you could go. I mean, whether it's at 55 or 70, um, there, th- there's a lot of different ones. I mean, I mean, if he, if he says a 70, if you told me it's, it's Conor McGregor versus Steven Thompson, I'm down for that one. Yeah, me too.
1: I mean, I'm pretty much interested in any fight matching up with the up fighter. And I think we're due for a good time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just to me, it's more of a matter of when do we see Conor McGregor? Like, if I sat there and said, I mean, UFC three hundred would would probably make a lot of sense. I think time wise, that matches up for him doing the the six month of drug testing. But like, maybe it's not till July. I mean, it, yeah. it's just it, it's one of those things of like, I mean, obviously he's coming back from a, a catastrophic injury. I mean, this it's not like you know. It was a minor injury. I mean, that's a catastrophic injury that that he suffered, and you know, and maybe, and look, and obviously, Conor has not done media. I mean, maybe a lot of the reason that keeps getting delayed is is maybe they're just, you know, it, it's just about that you know coming back from this catastrophic injury.
1: Hmm. I think so too. I also think they're probably waiting on him. And if I had to put a a prediction in there, gut instinct, it is that UFC 300 main event.
0: It would make sense. Yeah. I, think
1: to be. I mean, it's it's a big event, and he's the biggest fighter in the promotion's history. What better way to have said event than with him headlining? Especially if you aren't able to get John Jones on there. I mean, that's the other name I would think of to headline UFC I 300. I don't,
0: I don't think Jones will be ready by 300. I don't think he'll be ready exactly. Now.
1: Yeah. So I mean, what other I name think... are you going to put on there? Izzy's knocking around? You know, are you going to headline? Who who do you headline with? The book. Bull- I mean, Volk won't be able to do it. It's,
0: it's, well, it's I mean, Dana, Dana indicated that there was a super fight that kind of came on their radar the other day. He did, And he said it was not Conor McGregor related. Um, you know, a lot of people started kind of throwing, you know, various names out there, you know. Um,
1: I don't even know what that could be. Could it be Islam and, and the welterweight champion? Could it be Sean and Alex?
0: I I don't know if we'll ever see this person back in MMA cage. Does it make some realistic sense of Brock Lesnar? Hasn't Brock wow. been off WWE TV for a while?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. He's an old man, but that's a good one. That's a that is a very good name. That would be crazy. He's forty six. Wow, so Brock's he, that old?
0: Wow, yeah, man.
1: yeah, man.
0: Dude, he looks good for 46. I mean, I, I just remember the last time we, we saw him. By, by the way, you want to know who clearly has not been missing any days in the gym? Randy Orton. Good Lord, bro. What has he been doing? Dude looked jacked. That's what happens
1: when you aren't touring. You aren't, you know, your only focus is bodybuilding. And this is a man who's been building his body for 25, 30 years. He looks amazing. It's also Dude, um,
0: Sunday when I was on my TikTok and I, I saw kind of how that played out where, where he comes out to the ring. And my first thought I was like, Holy crap. He looks massive. Oh,
1: that's what we all thought. Everyone thought, damn. Cause Randy always looks good, but he looks good, good there. And I love to see it, man. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So to see him come back looking badass, I'm excited. And I hope to God he stays healthy, man, because I want it. Cause Randy Orton is one of the best wrestlers of all time. Like, it's crazy, especially if you are a wrestler, you appreciate him because mm-hmm. every single thing he does in the ring matters, and he has got the crowd button in the palm of his hand. It is absurd. Little movements. The dude is a master. He really is, so I just uh, hope he has a healthy year.
0: I saw the highlight from his uh, promo with Rhea Ripley. On Monday, when he's like, "Read this, read this, mommy, this, mommy, that," he goes, "Daddy's back." And I was like, "Oh, that's a good, that's a good line, that's a good line." Whether he came up with that or or when the writers came up with that, I was like, "That's a damn good line."
1: Absolutely killer, absolutely killer. Yeah, and dude, Dominant Mysterio, man, they hate him. Oh my god, they saved him for last to come out for the War Games, and oh really? He's one of the top heels, bro. He's one like they hate him so much.
0: Dude, it's hilarious anytime you try. And and I don't watch WWE programming a a lot, but sometimes when I do, and and, you know, he grabs the mic and just the crowd is just ruthless on him. Oh man,
1: yeah, they give zero f's, bro. They are they are absolutely ruthless, and uh, it's good to see it because when he first started, you know, he was a little green, yeah, and now he's found his identity. He's not just Rey Mysterio's son. He's the most hated dude in WWE right now, and you know a lot of guys are like cool bad guys where like people root for them, even though they're a bad guy. No, he's like an old school. Mm-hmm. He does everything to get people to boo him and get people to pay money to watch him get his ass kicked. Love it.
0: Too. It's like, they always say, you, you know, you want 50% of the people to hate you, 50% to love you. And that's going to equal, uh, you know, being a star.
1: Absolutely, man. So he, he's on his way to becoming a star.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Of course, in CM Punk coming back at that, that huge, uh, Uh, you know, it'd be I I I would say this I'd be interested what if they were not in Chicago is the pop that big?
1: I think no no not as big. That's the big that's the best place you could have done it would have been a big pop, but Chicago is its home field buddy. I mean that was one of the biggest pops I've heard in a long time, unbelievably loud. Uh, no I don't think there's a single city you could have put him in that would have been louder.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I thought he looked good too. I mean, you know, and he, he looked, he looked like he, better. He looked better there than he did in AEW. Yeah, there was sometimes I see him in AEW and I'm like, man, a little, you know, I mean, I'm not one to talk. I mean, I am not in any type of physical shape. I, I but you know, it was just I remember I see him in AEW. I was like, wow, man. You know, you know I mean, I, obviously we all get older, and you know, it's it's harder to keep your body the way you want. But yeah, you know, obviously he had a shirt on, but he, he looked like he was in pretty good shape, man yeah just his face looked better. I don't know what was going on there he looked he, he like it's it's almost like he looked a little younger
1: he did he absolutely did I think maybe he colored his hair or something but uh he certainly did
0: yeah it, it was funny is uh, I've been getting my hair cut shorter um and and about two weeks ago I uh, saw a buddy I had not seen in, in probably you know probably about two months and he looks at me he goes he goes, bro, what'd you do?" I go. What do you mean? He goes, bro. You look like ten years younger. I go. Oh, I just get the haircut a little shorter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I go. That I go. Really I'm, I'm getting a three on the side instead of a four. You know, and at that point, like, and uh, my barber, I love my barber. He he, uh, he went. He went a little short. It's one of those things of like, uh, as we're getting the haircut, I was like, yeah, yeah, it looks good. And then I get to the car, I was like, oof, that is short. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, but it sh- it shaves off the hair in the ears, man. It's not bad at all.
0: Yeah, when you we look when you get older, you got to have those trimmers to get those those ear hairs. You know, <laughs> you get a little older, you know, you know. you Young buck, you like you see those older. like, We got to shave your fucking ears. Look at old man. Then you get then you come that old man. You're like, oh, I got to do that now too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the next thing I have to look forward to. All right, I got the hair done.
0: So. You, you've got to a head of lettuce there. I, I, what the, you you got to a head of lettuce? <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to try and take care of it because when I look at my dad, I'm like, I see the top of your school buddy.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah that that is all the men in my family um, does not have much hair, uh, you know, and that's uh, so why I've I've always said like I I as long as I have, I'll be happy. You know, I, I know the hairline has definitely gone back over the past couple of years. I, I can see it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've always said, like, I will not be that. I, I will not have the Paul Feinbaum cut. If I'm going bald right here and hairless sides, all the hair is coming off. I'm not doing that yeah. look. No. Screw it. Psh, cut it all yeah.
1: off. I hope to God neither of us get the fine bomb.
0: If that happens, I'll probably wear a hat all the goddamn time.
1: I know. Never take it off even when I sleep and shower.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, I, you got to embrace the hair while you have it because, uh, yeah, I, I, first off, I have too big of a head. This dome with no hair is not going to be a good sight. I'm just telling you.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just going to become a cap guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, literally, yeah, I mean, I got a big dome. It's, it's not easy to find fit it has for me. Just because I got a big dome. I did, I did. I was able to find an FSU hat when uh, I was at the mall the other day, so I was kind of happy.
1: It's all right, man. You know what they say about men in big domes
0: they wear big hats.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's. Uh... But I'm looking forward to the weekend. You know, be, it'll be nice. You know, it's a uh, should be a rela- you know nice relaxing weekend. You know, I don't have to be up early on Sunday morning because uh, the Bucks game's now at four o'clock. So I uh, don't have to be up too early. I will, I will tell you, it was nice and chilly in <laughs> the last weekend. <laughs> that that walk to the plane as uh, it was raining and cold. Whew. Whew.
1: Yeah, yeah, feeling it here in Texas too. It's feeling a lot like Christmas,
0: dude. It's been you know? it's been chilly here all week here in Tampa. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, here, I, bro.
0: Like, bro, I if you gave me 50s, 60s, and 70s weather all the time, I would be in heaven. No, yeah.
1: Same here. You really I, I did it. I
0: did have to laugh. One of our comments on the podcast last week was uh, basically someone living up north going, you boys, you are wimps when it comes to the cold. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. No, we are. I I am.
1: But we're used to it being a damn sauna. All right. Yes, and uh, weather like this, you freaking love it, man. The three weeks we get where it's moderately decent temperature, mm, perfection.
0: Yeah, man. It, when it's in the seventies here in, in Tampa, oh my god, man, it, it's like I'm like this is ideal weather, you know. But I look, I go to Green Bay in two weeks or three weeks. Um, god knows how cold that's going to be. Oh yeah. Of all the games that's I've it. done in Green Bay, it's I've not been there for a snow game, and well it's not called <laughs> what that don't happen <laughs> yeah but yeah, i'm, up I'm, I'm up I'm up in the booth where the windows don't open so but my guys oh. on the field they would have to embrace the elements
1: <sighs> yeah they're gonna be like i miss florida
0: yeah, I had to. I had to laugh. Uh, one of my guys who works on the um, the field last week, he uh, he texted me, and it was the uh, he, he texts the the weather of Indianapolis, and it was basically he goes uh, indoor stadium, suck it, booth guy, because <laughs> <laughs> I always like to kid him about. I was like, hey man, I got the heater up in the booth. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you're you're royalty. Meanwhile, they're out there freaking. No, 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 no,
0: no! no. I'm not royalty. I'm bougie. bougie. I am. I am straight up bougie. You know, I had to go to Walmart today. Why is that? Uh, I need. I needed ink for the uh, printer, and I needed. I needed it today, and uh, you know, Target did not have the ink I needed, so I had to go to Walmart.
1: Wow, I'm so sad.
0: I'm so I sorry. mean, I, I, people who know me know me. <laughs> I'm not necessarily walking to Walmart. It's just not. It's not yeah. the place I shop at.
1: Yeah, man. you yeah, Target, your freaking customer, because you're bougie.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I'm bougie as fuck. Yeah,
1: man. You're out there with the Target <laughs> uniform on right
0: now. Yeah. I, I'll tell you this, man. The one thing I always... If I have, like, a red polo on, I'm like, I can't walk in Target, because it happened one time. And they're like, oh, you know what this is? I go, I don't work here.
1: You just, You look like the manager at Target. I'm sorry. You look like the GM <laughs> of Target. You look like you know where the socks are, and... <sighs> What's on aisle twelve,
0: dude? Some of these newer targets, I get fucking lost in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some have different designs, but uh, I agree with you, man. I'm Team Target. I love going to a Target. Probably. Oh yeah, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm team Target all the way, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, it's gonna start to wrap it up for us, uh, for this edition of the podcast. Of course, we'll be back next week as we've got uh, the UFC Vegas card coming up next week, and then of course we're uh, two weeks out from the UFC pay per view, UFC two ninety six. Of course, uh, the two title fights a part of that one with the welterweight title and also the flyweight title. Uh, Daniel, uh, are, are we we're getting close to getting back in the ring, right? Yeah, this Saturday. This Saturday,
1: I'm back in the ring, and uh, we'll see how it goes, man. Going to the Rado, Texas tag team match. If I lose, I can never wrestle in the promotion again. Taking on two guys who have beaten my team twice, so must-win situation.
0: Oh, is must this like situation.
1: is this like loser leaves town match? Only if I lose. So yeah, it's like a halfway loser leaves town match. Interesting. So, yeah, man. So I'm. I'm First match back I already got a whole crap load on the on the line, brother.
0: I'm just I mean, once this football season come over, I am gonna have to make my way to Texas to, to see a little Daniel Ishmael and, and see you do your thing.
1: Yeah, man, or maybe I can get a booking over there in Florida, you know.
0: I'd like to leave town though. <laughs> <laughs> get me on a play go somewhere. I'm all about it.
1: I'll get you I'll get I'll get my bookings matched up with wherever Bucks games are on the road. Oh, yeah, he's we, in Indianapolis. All right, let me hit out
0: there. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, we got what uh, three more road games? One, two, three more. Uh, yeah, I think three more. Yeah, three more. Three more road games, and uh, we'll see how this this uh, this division works itself out. You know, we got a uh, the path is there. It's just whether we can take care of business.
1: One win at a time, my
0: man. One win at a time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! It's uh, it should be, a, it should be a nice day in Tampa here on Sunday. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone uh, tune in for this episode of the podcast. Of course, you can check it out on the podcasting platform, check it out on YouTube as well. So we'll talk to you here next week, right here on the NBA Report Podcast.